I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast 411. Terry Miller, the disc golf guy, alongside Johnny V. I'm not sure if I should have gone to bed already or if I should be getting up for Sula tomorrow. I hope I don't know why any of you guys are up right now when clearly you should be getting ready for Sula at like 6.30 or 7.30 in the morning. Yes, uh, as you're referencing, we've had a few things go back and forth. You also saw a couple announcements made, an email blast, and then a new update to the email blast. But the long and short of it is tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m., Central time. That's the only one I'm going to worry about right now. At 7.30 central time is when we're going to go live with the PCS Sula Open. Figure it out from there, wherever, whatever time zone you're in from there. But 7.30 central is the time we're going live. And by we, of course, we're going to have crews here in the States. And we also then have dozen or so people at least overseas that are going to be making it happen and it's a four round silver series event spanning two different courses in norway yeah there was a little bit of a scare earlier this week when uh, i know half of our guys went over there the other half stayed here to cover uh the lws and the equipment you know the 40 50 60 70 thousand dollars in equipment that we used to broadcast the uh the show got diverted in Amsterdam, it was, I wouldn't say lost, but it was delayed. And apparently there's some huge sort of airline. Well, there's strikes, there's, yeah, uh, it's just, mis- there's management, there's, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's shutting down. There's a little bit of everything, I think, taking place in the airline industry right now. For sure on this uh, side, but even overseas, we're seeing some of that at some of those ones. So ultimately they were very nervous that the, that the equipment wasn't going to make it. My understanding is that it showed up this morning. And we are ready and raring to go for uh, better or worse, I would say. Yeah. I wouldn't mind not going to tomorrow. I'm not going to lie after tonight's podcast, probably. But I'll be up and early. 
5.30 in the morning or something. That's how we got to roll. That's what we got to do. We are here for you guys, and tonight we're going to have a very special guest. In fact, we're not going to delay it anymore. We've got a lot of things to talk about and a lot of good stuff going on, including recapping the incredible performance and action out of this man, your champion from the LWS Idlewild Open, presented by Dynamic Discs. We've got Isaac Robinson. How are you doing tonight, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you, Terry? Ah, good, good, good. And, you know, I know we had just a few seconds to chat, you know, to get you all tested up here, but how, (laughs) compare the last Monday and Tuesday compared to this Monday and Tuesday, what's been the difference for you? Oh, man. Uh, Let's see. I've gained about uh, 2,500 Instagram followers. Okay. Uh, Uh, One of which is me. Yep. Yep, uh, responded to hundreds of messages, uh, been on my phone all day, just answering uh, text messages, responding, you know, all of that stuff, um, posting pictures, uh, been very busy. <laughs> Again, these are all the, uh, you know, the challenges or, or whatever you want to call it with becoming a champion of an event of this scale. You've, you've won before, you've played very well before. But, again, largest paycheck and largest win of your career. 48 hours later, has it sunk in? I think it's just starting to, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the seven-hour drive home, uh, that's all I thought about. And I got to assume your, your phone was probably just blowing up that whole time as well, and we all know you should be <clears throat> paying attention to the road, but your, flo- your phone had to be just blowing up. It was, yes. Uh, so many, just blown up all over the place. Yes. Maybe just to dig into that for a moment, what has been the craziest either reach out or follow or, or, or just maybe even story or you know anything that somebody shared with you or has come at you, uh, you know, well, you know, I bet 10,000 on you on, on some sports betting today or something like what's been the, has there been anything absolutely crazy that has, has come across your desk? Uh, nothing too crazy. Um, I think probably the most meaningful thing for me right now, um, I know Simon, uh, mentioned me in his story, Simon Lazat. Uh, and so that was, that was pretty special, you know, um, it's the first time that's happened, so that was that was probably the one that stood out to me the most. Yeah, and, and I, I think I saw that as well. He basically said that, uh, you know, for you to play that consistently for a whole weekend is incredible. Is, is Was that the gist of it? Yeah, that's, that's basically all he said, um, which was very nice of him. Um, it was just super cool, so. I mean, he you, you played anywhere from 25, it looks like, to 40 points over your rating this week. And yeah. I mean, hats off to you there. Uh, Idlewild is a unique course because it seems to always give us a different winner every year. We've for MPO at least we've we haven't had a repeat winner. How did you feel going into the event? Like, did, did you feel you've been playing pretty well on the pro tour? I think uh, two of them ago you you were in third place. The last one sixteenth or so. How did you feel going in? Yeah, actually, the day before, um, I think we mentioned this in the post-round interview, but um, my practice rounds leading up to it were, were quite horrible, actually. <laughs> um, I shot three over, and then two over, and then I think even par was my best one. Um, so it was really, 
not a whole lot of confidence there. You know, I was feeling a little shaky, a little unsure of how this weekend was going to play out. Um, but when round one hit, I, I guess the adrenaline kicked in or the, the focus or, or I don't know what it was, but, but things felt good. Now, let's. Uh, this is your first time uh, being here, and and like you said, you're growing. This following is growing. You, again, a lot of people that really know disc golf know just how good you are. But let's get into a little bit of your backstory so that everybody does know you a little bit better. We, you know, we see you out there uh, hugging your brother, who, of course, very competitive, but yet a solid player in his own right. Talk to us about your your beginnings of disc golf. Like, when did you and or your brother get involved? Yeah, so we've been playing for um, close to, gosh, probably fifteen or sixteen years at this point. Um, so we, you know, grew up playing the sport. Um, it was something my dad really enjoyed, and so he would just drag us out to the park, um, and then. You know, at the beginning, me and Ezra would play junior tournaments um, in Georgia together. Um, a lot of times it was just us two um, in the divisions. So there, it, grew to, it grew to be a very competitive um, thing between Ezra and I. And uh, it's just, I mean, it's just continued till this, you know, till this point, to, till today. Um, you know, in pretty much any uh, C tier, B tier in Georgia, um, it's usually us two in the, the top. Um, battling it out and so yeah he's you know he he pushes me he um encourages me to be to be better and you know i don't i hate losing to him like there's any there's nobody i like losing to you know but ezra ezra's the worst to lose to um in my opinion (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay uh, yep. what what is obviously you got the best of him this weekend but how I mean, do you guys have any kind of running tally? I guess we should go to uh, Statmando probably and look you guys up. But what? Uh, how do you feel like your your head to head battle usually looks? Man, usually it's it's. I gotta say it's about fifty fifty. Um, this year, I know I've beaten him more than he's beaten me. But I know two years ago he was whooping the junk out of me. <laughs> um, so it's it goes back and forth. All right, so I I guess I can look. I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna see both of you here. I'm gonna punch you guys. Have you ever looked at each other on on Statmando? A while ago. Okay, yeah. so real quick, I just pulled it up, and uh, you uh, your brother against you. He, he is 27, 35, and one. So you have, uh, we'll say, an eight uh, event advantage. Yeah, you're 35, 27, and one against him. Um, Close in the wins. You have 15 wins. He has 13. Okay. Uh, seconds, you have 15. He has 10. Thirds, you have four. He has three. And then your top 10 percentage for the two of you, this is crazy. Wow. You're both 73.02% on the nose. Like, top wow. 10 percentage is identical. That's crazy. And then when <laughs> you uh, to give the full credit to Statmanda, let me do a quick subtraction here. You, uh, when you guys are head to head in what is that 63 version and 63 uh, appearances together, you have thrown 142 less strokes. Okay. I mean, 
That checks out for you, right? You're better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds, sounds right to me. <laughs> Sorry, Ezra. That's why he's here and you're not. <laughs> um, so you guys played early on, you, you know, very, of course, uh, in Georgia. What were, who were some of the people, you know, my Georgia history is a little older than, older than even you, but who were some of the people in Georgia that either you looked up to or you at least had maybe as a reference point or, or saw at tournaments often that you could, uh, you know, either emulate or, or aspire to be like? Yeah. I mean, local pros that I just have to shout out, uh, Matt Dollar, um, growing up, I played, I've been playing with him for Gosh, probably like watching him play for 10 years now. Um, he's been around since the beginning. Um, Josh Childs, he's one. Uh, doesn't really play anymore, but had a huge impact on me. Um, Kevin McCoy, um, he's been he's been around for as long as I can remember. Um, yeah, those three guys really had a big impact on my um, just growing up in the sport, growing around it. Uh, funny because if you if I were to name three guys from Georgia, those would have been uh, those would have okay. been everyone I would have guessed. And then I you know there's older uh, some of the older guard you know when you think of what Brian Graham has done, not maybe at, as much as a competitive player, but you know what Brian Graham has done, as running a TD a, running and, worlds and such, yeah, and all of that kind of stuff. And um, you know uh, Brad Hammock with some of his, um, yeah. But anyway, uh, awesome. Um, how, how what's the age difference between you and your brother and how old are you both so i'm 21 and he is uh 19 um but there's an 18 month uh age difference so wow. okay. pretty close I, I guess i didn't realize that he was uh that much younger and you've had a pretty crazy year and i know we didn't even touch on it necessarily in your interview there was a lot of things going on uh right after the fact but you've had a pretty crazy year name some of the other accomplishments that you've uh that you've collected in the last few months yeah i mean uh graduating college you know it's not disc golf related but that was pretty big um you know i really i really enjoyed that um Portland Open. Um, that was my first taste of what it was like to be on a league card. Um, all three rounds, or I guess all four, three rounds. But yeah, it was. Uh, Portland was pretty crazy. Um, and then, you know, I guess the preserve too, getting a league card there, uh, one of the rounds. Um, so done a lot of. I guess fifth at Waco as well. Yeah, you're not having too shabby of a year. I mean, he took 16th at, what, the Preserve or something? I, I don't remember what it was. So, I mean, honestly, no. Um, so I have to ask, what what did you graduate? Uh, what was your degree when you graduated college? Yeah, so I graduated um, from Tacoma Falls College with a business administration degree. Okay. And, I mean, I know this this was big talk a few years ago when Kelvin was had just got his uh, – chemical engineering degree and whether or not he was going to go on tour or what, what did the future look like for Calvin? We can kind of just throw that on you. Now you have a degree. What does that look like for you? Does that look like disc golf as a summer job or is now is, are you going to kind of put that degree on the back burner and kind of gung ho and going on tour for the next five years? Like how, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, so, I mean, that's where I'm at right now. I, I can't say I've nailed down a specific um, way I want to use that. Um, but as far as I know, you know, using a business degree in disc golf, is it can be helpful. Um, learning to grow your own brand, 
um, you know, selling discs, marketing, um, stuff like that. So I think it's very useful, very applicable um, to the tour life. Um, but as far as I know right now, the plan is to, to kind of stay on tour. And if I get tired of it or I don't want to do it anymore, um, you know, settle down, buy a house somewhere, and get, use my business degree to get a job. What in particular, and funny enough, and of course every school is a little bit different, but technically Johnny and I both also have business degrees from UW-Milwaukee, and that can mean such a wide range of things, and ours were both in, in computers with an emphasis on information systems. What, what specific uh, area within business uh, do you find most appealing? I, I personally think marketing is, uh, is just really cool. Um, just different ads. Um, learning how to make ads, produce, you know, put them out there. Uh, I think that's, that's fascinating. Um, so I really like that. So did you then dabble in like some psychology as well, or was that all kind of under the umbrella of marketing or? Yeah, I, I touched a little bit on the psychology and some of the marketing classes that I took, but yeah, for the most part, didn't, didn't do much out, outside of business. So, uh, backing up, and I think about Prodigy specifically as one of the younger companies, of course, came about actually 2013, but it was just very different in how it, the company not only formed, but who was on the team, and then also the sponsorship in how it worked, and then you know that kind of had a ripple effect into the entire disc golf industry and really kind of shook things up quite a bit. Of course, having some you know bearings and roots and 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 um, ties to Georgia, I guess I can you know you know make a correlation on my own or a connection. But talk about why Prodigy, when Prodigy, um, and your relationship with them. Yeah, so I've you know being uh, Prodigy being located in Georgia, obviously when they first came out, uh, you know I, I bought a bunch of their discs. Um, through them a lot, but I only have like one or two in the bag. Um, but then I got to play with Will Schustrick um, at a couple uh, local tournaments, and he was just really nice. Uh, we got to play on a doubles team for a, for a skins match one time, and that was pretty cool. Um, and after that, after that tournament, he uh, messaged me, me and Ezra, and just asked us to be on the team. Um, he actually sent us a, a disc and asked, you know, wrote on the disc, will you be on Team Prodigy? Um, and I still have that. So it's awesome. Yeah. So that was back in 2016. Um, so that was my first year with Prodigy, 2016. Uh, which was six years ago, which would have made you like 15 or 16 years old. Yep, 15. And and Ezra like 13 or 14. Wow. Yep. I mean, clearly Will had a had a had a vision. In a site, he was able to pick some talent out a long time ago because at that age, I mean, you're kids. Anything can happen. We've seen it before. We've seen prodigies that look like they're going to, no, not <laughs> pun intended, uh, come out and light the world on fire. And then they get distracted from disc golf, whether it's school or girls or, or life or other sports and just don't show up. But you, uh, Will was able to pick you out just uh, from one round or one event, so to speak. Yep. <laughs> Uh, what does it look like? I know you just talked about, you know, your plan and potentially, you know, having, of course, your degree to fall back on. What right now does your touring plan look like? And has it changed 
at all in the last few months with the recent successes you've had and you know the in, the increased exposure and everything else has anything changed uh from a few months ago to where you are right now uh absolutely yeah um you know going out on tour uh back in may i was like you know i'll, I'll give it a try for the summer um see if it goes anywhere um you know, it's something I like to do. I get to see some cool places out west. Um, I was like, you know, I'll just make a road trip out of it, you know. Um, but after after Portland, after Idlewild, um, specifically Idlewild, I'm, I'm considering, you know, doing full-time next year and actually, you know, just going all in. So, uh, Which makes perfect sense. I mean, how does that, like, you essentially beat... The, all the best players in the world. I mean, okay. That's what happens when you take first, Terry. Yeah, you beat I know, everyone. But I'm saying, like, <laughs> okay, you could argue Kelvin wasn't there and maybe KJ or, or whatever. But, I mean, you beat everyone there. And what what does that say about both your confidence and, and yeah, just your overall confidence? Yeah. Um, it really boosted the confidence, you know, uh, just going out there, I was feeling confident in the putting, feeling confident in the in the mid range shots. Um, but after taking home the win um, from, especially Chris Dickerson, I think I think he's got to be the best player in the world right now. And it was terrifying to have him chasing me down. Um, I can't even explain what that feeling felt like. <laughs> um, but yeah, a huge confidence booster coming out on top. Yeah, it didn't look like you were showing too much nerves up until maybe 18 is I think we kind of saw it. And, and by then you pretty much had it wrapped up, which is funny. Um, but at that point, I think we could kind of see the, the emotion on your face, whether it was relief or still, or still nervous. Um, when did you feel like you kind of had, had this mostly under control? Like at what point did you, did you think, okay, I think I have this. Man, uh, I'd have to say that upshot on the, the upshot on 18. Um, you know, even though the drive was, was dead center um, and Chris was at best taking a par, uh, as soon as I threw the, the shot out the gap, I was like, all right, I can relax a little bit. I can breathe. I can begin to get excited. Um, up until that point, I just tried to suppress all the emotions and not get, not get ahead of myself. Um, but when that shot flew out the gap, it was definitely, I did it, you know? I mean, we, we see that hole, you know, last year, that hole was just a, a throw or two away from becoming, you know, one of the, the most uh, congested playoffs of all time, you know, with so many people crunched up at the top. And, you know, the fact that a three is obviously a great score four no one's complaining about. If you said, hey, I'll give you a four on that every round, I think every player would be like, yeah, that's cool. I'll just finish out with a par. But the fact that you went into it with a three-stroke lead and then you threw a perfect tee shot, I was like, well, yeah. man, I could I could finish this out left-handed. I'll give him. you this. It wasn't a perfect tee shot. We saw from the catch cam, it, it tailed off a little left. You got a little bit of tree love that kicked you right into the center because not that I think you would have been at most seven feet off the fairway, honestly, the way it was coming in. But that extra little tree kick, I just, at that point, I'm sitting here behind the computer and I go, 
All right, it's just this, it's this dude's day. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Everything's going his way. Everything's coming up Isaac. <laughs> yep. uh, so I guess that's maybe there's a question in there, which is, have you gone back to watch any footage live or post or, or anything? Have you gone back to relive any of it? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> nice. In fact, I don't. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I should say this, but I watched um, both of the Jomez rounds uh, on the way home while I was yeah. driving. So I put the, put the phone up on the dash. Um, <laughs> you know, put my speaker on. Uh, you know, watch the road and and watch Jomez at the same time. Um, so, Kids, don't try this yeah. at home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I don't recommend. <laughs> so I'll follow that up and say, did. Was there any commentary that was either just dead wrong or, or you know, just anything that you were like, ah, oh, no, that's not really what happened, you know? And I'm I'm not just looking for a mistake, but was there anything that was out of sorts at all within the commentary throughout the weekend? Um, no, I thought I thought I mean Jeremy and Ulibar did a great job. Um, Philo and Ian, of course, great as usual. Um. It was funny uh, just hearing their comments about hole 17 um, and the putt that I made. Uh, everybody, from what it sounded like, everyone expected me to lay it up. I um, thought you were. But I knew, <laughs> yeah, I knew that two strokes going into 18, um, that's, that would still be terrifying. It's so easy to bogey that hole, and I did not want to be in a playoff with Chris. So I had to, I had to shut it down right there. Well, and it's funny because I'm, I was literally, I'm sitting here behind this computer and I, I forget who putted out. Was it Chris that putted right before you? Um, yeah. But we yeah. had like a couple cameras focused on him because his, because we felt like, Hey, his putt's really important. If he drops this in, you know, we're going to have a ball game and you just walked up and like, just threw it in. You barely took any time. I mean, you're not a slow player as it is, mm-hmm. but we, we literally almost missed your shot because we had one camera focused on you and thankfully Camera seven, shout out to you, was still pointed at you because every other camera was almost focused on Chris. When you walked up and threw it, I, I literally out loud said, I think he just laid that up because it was so fast. And 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 our Gary, our replay guy's like, no, dude, he just put that in. And I was like, why would he do that? Because <laughs> I mean yeah. there's so much there's so much danger on 17, as everyone says. You go off the you hit off the top, you're OB. You hit off the side and roll. You could bounce over those little wooden uh posts or whatever they're considered and go OB. I mean, but the way you've been putting, were you just inside or just outside the circle there? Watching the coverage, I think I was just outside. Okay. Yeah. And that didn't, that didn't phase you. You just thought I'm going to put this in and yeah. Yeah. I was just like, I need to put this in. I'm going to put it in, close it out right here. (laughs) Okay. I'm, I mean, it it definitely was a bold move, and it definitely was the right one. And and I, if I recall, I was starting to walk all the way. Uh, I was starting to walk toward eighteen already. I remember just kind of waiting and looking, and then like, oh yeah, he's okay. So he's running that. Okay, yeah. And then it was like dead center, uh, at least from what I could tell. I was like, there's no uh, doubt. Game set match. I mean, that's that's it. You have three strokes going into hole eighteen. Uh, so a good question off the board was. Uh, do you have other sports interest or background for um, growing up or even now? Is there anything else you either follow or that you're, you're high part school of? or anything like that? Did you play any sports in high school or no? Um, disc golf has been it basically my whole life. So, you know, I love playing ultimate Frisbee. Um, I think that's great, but you know, I'm not, I'm not spectacular at it or anything. Um, just do it for fun. 
but yeah, disc golf is it. Uh, that makes sense. And what is your, sorry to, I think of you guys as, as like this dynamic duo. So I apologize if there's a lot of questions about your brother, but is, is he, um, does he have similar aspirations? Is he going to school or does he want to hit the road with you? Uh, would you guys consider traveling together full time? Like how, how is that working out? Obviously you're close with him. Yeah. So, um, he's actually married. Uh, He got married back in December of last year. So he's, um, you know, right now he's, he's working, um, you know, a day job and playing disc golf, um, which is why he's not, he's not, he's not getting a lot of time to practice. So, you know, he's not, uh, performing at the best of his abilities. Um, but he's still, you know, very, very good player. Um, I know he really wants to go on tour next year. Um, he's looking for an RV or a van that he and his wife can live out of. Um, and if, and if that's the case, if they do find one, then we'll be definitely touring together um, in separate vehicles, of course. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, so that was, I guess that's a good question is, you know, you said you're, you're looking at next year. You're looking at this as a full-time. What does a, a rig or travel life look like for you? You know, van, RV, camper. What, what does it look like Prius, for you? Prius, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> Prius. Yeah. So, um, for me, I, you know, I have, right now I have a, uh, Ford transit connect, okay. um, just a little tiny cargo van. Um, that thing is working great. Um, you know, I'm just, just short enough to fit inside it with the bed. Um, got plenty of storage. Um, I'd like to have some solar panels. I don't have those yet, but, um, during the off season, I'm going to deck it out a little bit more, make it a little more, um, easier to live out of. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love my van right now. It's, it's just what I want. Okay. And you know, I, I just looked a moment ago, I, I believe after you've captured a hundred points, I see you sitting in 17th on the disc golf pro tour. Obviously there was a handful of events. Uh, you know, we, we see that you don't have points for, so a lot of what you're doing, you know, these next couple of events, um, can, can, uh, move you up. Yeah, assuming, is, I think assuming he takes top 20 or so, he'll bump up ahead of Nico and maybe Matty O as well. But I think Matty O is going to be on the tour quite a bit from here on out. Yeah, yeah. so what what is the pro tour and the rest of the season? I don't want to say what does it look like for you, but what kind of goals and aspirations do you have? And, and have those even upped in the last 48 hours? Yeah, I mean, obviously making it to the finale um, in Charlotte is a – a goal going at, at the start of the season was my goal. Um, and I think I've got that, that pretty locked up by this mm-hmm. point, um, especially with a couple of events coming up. Um, I mean, my, my biggest goal um, is to win USDUC. Um, that's one I'd give anything to win that tournament. Um, so I, every time I practice, I'm, I'm practicing holes in my mind at that course, uh, just preparing for, for you know the first week of October. Do you put more emphasis? I mean, maybe there's the answer. Is you put? Do you feel like you put more emphasis on USDGC than even uh, Worlds? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd much rather have a, a US title at that course than I would a, a Worlds title. That's a a somewhat uncommon, you know, for somebody who doesn't have either. I feel like that's an uncommon take. And and why so passionate about the USDGC in that course? 
Yeah, I mean, that's... Um, I got to play that course in 2014 um, at the Performance Flight, mm-hmm. back when they had that. Yep. Um, and I've just loved being out there ever since. Um, it's My family makes a vacation out of it. We go every year since 2014. Um, and it's just... I just love that place. Uh, it's got a special place in my heart. So I would love to, to win there one day. Now, if I'm looking at some PDGA stuff, everybody, well, if your rating went up, everybody posts about it and all of a sudden you care. And when you don't, when it doesn't, most people don't say anything. How does it feel (laughs) to to open up the PDGA today and ratings were released, new update as of today, and your rating has gone down five points to 1031, which is, of course, impressive. Does that feel silly? Do you even care? But what does that feel like? Yeah, I uh, I knew it was going to go down because um, I didn't play very well the past two events. Okay, um, I didn't think it was going to go down that much though. I was <laughs> not going to lie, a little disappointed. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, at this point, this weekend, I don't really care. Um, I got the win, and that's all that matters. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, you know, if you can win Idlewild and it, and they gave you three rounds rated a thousand who cares you know if you're, if exactly. you're sitting on top right i i mean looking yeah. at your schedule it's it's exactly almost exactly what we'd expect we're not going to see you at the two international events but then we see you at mid-america well uh, uh, uh deglo and then mid-america the uh silver uh series event ledgestone des moines worlds and then at that point you're probably qualifying to get into uh, both uh, USCGC Maple Hill and Maple yeah. Hill GMC as well as uh, yeah GMC and Maple Hill are the two I was thinking about from a playoff perspective so um, I, I guess maybe we've arrived at it already the thought of going overseas maybe feels different today than it did even three months ago right <laughs> yes <laughs> okay um, so not necessarily planning for it, not necessarily thinking of the funding and the support and everything else for it. Now it seems like, do, do you feel sad that you're missing out at this point or no? Yeah, actually, um, half an hour ago, I was talking to my dad. Um, he was like, you could make it. He's like, you could try to sign up. And I was like, yeah. And, and now come to think of it, I really wish I had, um, I've never been out of the country and that would just be such a cool opportunity um, but I'm gonna have to miss it this year. Um, I'm gonna try to do next year though. Okay. That sounds like a lot of fun. I mean, you you have some prodigy connections over there. I, just make a few calls, yeah, buddy. So, your boy yeah. Seppo, yeah. right? Yeah, this your guy, boy. Hey Seppo, yeah. I'm looking for some. Uh, you had a pretty darn good weekend in the circle. I mean, you, all right. You didn't you didn't miss one. It does, is that is that pretty accurate? I know these stats are relatively accurate, but do, you didn't you didn't miss one at all. Is that right? Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to say I did miss one, um, and which which kind of stinks. Um, but it was the the whole one, the first round. It was probably about seven inches inside the circle, um, and just looped out of the basket. First part of the day, first part of the tournament. Um, so yeah, I was, I was thankful for the stat guy though, because he did give me the hundred percent. So (laughs) yeah, well, he clearly thought you were, you know, that step outside of the circle and, and, and therefore you're, and and that's all part of it too. I mean, these are never going to be 100% perfect. 
like his uh, putting. Like your putting, <laughs> <laughs> or at least your stat anyway. Uh, but um, you know, well, I guess good on you for recognizing that it was it was that close. Um, what is it about your putting? I mean, obviously it's deadly, but and you and you said that you practice it. But walk us through kind of like the the mental checklist of what you're doing when you're so successful on the green. Yeah, so you know, obviously lots of practice. Like I said, um, honestly, I'm just looking at the basket. I'm feeling confident because um, I mean, putting is probably. I mean, it's definitely. I would say ninety percent mental. You know, if you're feeling confident, if you're feeling like you're going to make the putt, well, then then just make the putt. You know, there's no there's no point in uh, trying to convince yourself otherwise. Um, and so that's the mentality I take. You know, I inside the circle, I feel very confident, very much like it's just right there. Just put it in. Um, and so that's that's the approach I take. And yet, the. I, <laughs> You just couldn't be more opposite of one of your teammates, another young superstar in Gannon, in that he clearly, and he's also a very successful putter, clearly, but just a totally different approach in terms of getting himself set up, double-checking the wins, double-checking his hands, and making sure that he's going through his routine, sometimes within the allotted time, sometimes not, but just a very different approach. Are you ever sitting there like watching him or... Or any other player thinking, man, what are they thinking about? What are they doing? Just throw. Are you ever thinking that? Sometimes, yeah. Um, I'd say, <laughs> you know, everybody everybody rags on Nico, um, but there's there's been a couple times where I'm like, just just put it, Nico. Like you've got you've got the skill. Just put it in there. Um, and so I just sometimes I wonder what Nico's thinking. But other than that, you know, people have their routine, um, and and that's that's good. You know, it's good to have a routine. I've been working on getting uh, one of my own that's a little more more like a routine instead of just stepping up to, to putt. Yeah, I don't know why you think about changing anything. I was going to say, I'm looking at the stats, the season stats here. You're number one in C1X putting at 91%. So you are, on, I mean, statistically, the best putter on tour. Don't mess with that. Yeah. And we yeah. all love it. We all love a fast putter. Trust me. Uh, right, right in front of uh, Justin Anderson, Sias Elmore, and then some guy named Paul McBeth. So those are the top four oh, right now. Yeah. Nice. Wow. You wouldn't have. You don't have to worry about him. He can shoot course records, and he still isn't. You know, He's catching, catching you. you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, and and it's funny. Real quick on Nico too. You often hear him say he'll he'll maybe sometimes you know deliberate. And then one of the, you know, if he does miss, he'll blurt out and say, like, just putt it already. Like, he's talking to himself, and it's like as if he's talking himself out of it or, or it's a self-doubt thing. Because you go out to the putting green, you've seen him. He goes out to the putting green, and he'll throw in 10 60-footers all in, like, seven seconds. It's like, yep. hey, just do more of that. <laughs> you know? yeah. He's got, yeah, he's got the skill for sure. So speaking of the final round, and, and again, everyone kind of utilizes U-Disc and live scoring and the physical scoreboard all a little bit differently. But the likes of Paul McBath, you know, starting out, I think, nine under on the first eight holes um, and, and any other hot scores. I mean, are you paying attention to anyone else? I know you said you, you were concerned about Chris, understandably, but are you paying attention about what anyone else is doing? Um, Paul and Beth for sure. Um, you know he's got a he's got a history of, of just shooting lights out um, last round. 
And all I had to say when I sort of, when I checked lead score or live scores, um, I showed it to somebody. and I was like, "I'm glad I'm a million strokes ahead of him because <laughs> I don't want I don't want to have to deal with Paul either." So I I calculated it in my head, and even if he shot 18 down, all I would have to do is shoot like three down to beat him. And I was like, "All right, this, this is this is where this is where it feels good." <laughs> that is an incredible feeling, and honestly, not one that people can often say. It's like, well, if Paul shoots perfect. You know, I only have to, you know, pick up a handful or so. Rarely are people in that position, which I guess also then says how out of position he really was. But there's there's clearly been something about him lately that, you know, getting off to a slow start and then makes this charge super late in the tournament. We all did the math in the control room, by the way, because when, when we were about to go live, he was like eight for eight. And we're all like, ugh, like. We have to go cover him because you have to cover him. You have to follow him then because they're always there's always the chance he's going to shoot that 17 or 18 or whatever he's going to shoot. And of course, we send a camera out and he goes ice cold. But you know that's that, that that's what we do to people. You're welcome, Isaac. Yeah, you're wel- <laughs> uh, so, um, you know, you said your your practice rounds were were nowhere near what your competitive rounds were. Did you? Did you think and realize though that you had like double digits in you every day, or or you know something of that average? No, I uh, the first day, you know, the conditions weren't great. The first day it was a little rainy, um, and I told somebody five down, five to seven down would be a great score. Um, so that's all I was shooting for. You know, I was shooting for between that seven to nine range, and uh, ended up shooting eleven. So it was above and beyond my expectations for sure. Um, you know, some, the well, I don't want to say usual suspects, but because this is so uh, incredibly competitive, but then Klein, you know, of course, defending champ, ultimately does come in with a 10 on that first round. It, did you ever think anything of like, oh, well, maybe this, this guy's got this course figured out. Was that ever a concern, or are you not worried about anyone else's scores? I try not to worry about other people's scores. Um, just try to focus on my own game. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, like, having James and Kyle and Gannon all right there. Um, you know, both James and Kyle fell off a little bit during the second round, and that's when I started to feel a little more comfortable. Um, just just kind of, you know, separated me and Gannon from the field. And, um, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of breathing room, but never, you know, you never feel comfortable out there with everybody as good as they are. No, and then knowing, you know, 16 can be anywhere from – an eagle three to a bogey six, you know, depending if you find OB once or twice. And then 17, again, anything from a two to a five. And then 18, anything from a three to a six, you know, and everywhere in between. So there is no resting out there whatsoever, that's for sure. Um, it's interesting to hear, well, just you played so well there, but then to hear you talk about USDGC's course, which I think almost couldn't be any more different. So... I have to know what what is your favorite course or your favorite style of course possibly. Um, I really like a mix of, of open and wooded. You know, a good combination. Um, USDGC is definitely up there. Uh, I, my favorite cor- course to date, I think, is uh, the Preserve, and I played it for the first time this year. Uh, and when I set set foot out there, I was like, "Holy cow! This is this is incredible!" Um, so that's definitely in my top three favorite courses. I never want this to sound like I, I don't love it, but 
as people talk more and more about the preserve, I always wonder, especially because I don't have those skills, do people love it because everything is so birdieable? Is that part of what the appeal maybe is a better way to word that? Yeah, I think just the property, um, you know, it being located right on the Mississippi River, uh, just the woods, the fields, the the atmosphere of the place. Um, you know, of course, I'm partial to, to Prodigy, so, you know, having it be a Prodigy event with, you know, them as the main sponsor, um, it was just a really unique experience um, getting to hang out with the Prodigy family um, on, a, on a custom piece of property that somebody built. Um, it was just incredible. And to follow that up, often now we've seen some kind of commemorative disc or some kind of special release is something like that in the works for you, hopefully with prodigy for, for the win. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe they released today actually. Um, so they were, they were on top of it, but they, uh, they made, uh, an M one, a seven fifty M one, which is the yellow disc that I was throwing. (laughs) Um, and then, and then my putters, uh, they came out with pink, uh, 300 soft PA threes. So those should be, um, available um, on the website um, at Prodigy um, for anybody who wants who wants one. I mean, uh, they they seem to work. Those putters really seem to work. So if uh, if you're looking to become a better putter, it can't to hurt. It can't hurt to putt with whatever Isaac's putting with. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I and I excuse my ignorance. Are you on? I and I don't even know how they classify the various levels of team within prodigy are you on the highest level and and if not are you now <laughs> i so honestly i'm not even too sure how they classify the team. okay so it's, um, so i'm I not an know, idiot I'm then the, yeah i'm on the uh the star team is how they put it okay which i believe is, is the top level okay um, as far as right now yeah and um okay well then that answers that question and uh, I was going to say, if you haven't or you weren't, clearly that's where uh, you certainly belong, which is incredible. Um, you know, newer to the tour, but is there a section of the either the country or courses yet that you haven't seen that you're particularly excited about? You know, how, how did these next couple months shape up for you in that sense? Yeah, um, I think I'm looking forward to um, Smuggler's Notch um, in Vermont. That course, um, I got the opportunity to play it like two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just absolutely amazing. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, hopefully I'm, sh- you know, I'm sure I'll qualify for those, but getting to play those, I'm really looking forward to the, to the new England side of the tour. So Maple Hill, Smuggler's Notch, places like that. Okay. Now this upcoming it, weekend for reference real quick, it looks like you're part of the core team. Mm. Okay. Well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, it's, it's like you, Alden Harris, Austin, Kale, um, Gannon, Ezra, uh, Ezra, Heather. There's a whole, there's a whole bunch of you guys in there. That's the core team, and then below that's the tournament team, the ambassador team, the protege team, and I believe they have a street team as well, and something they call (laughs) one (laughs) Logan Weiss on the ungrouped team. (laughs) I don't know. Sorry, Logan, not sure what's going on there, but you are the ungrouped team. You're on the website, man. (laughs) But yes, you are part of the you're you're part of the core team. Sweet. Well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> Smashbox exclusive. <laughs> We're telling Isaac what t- what uh, sponsorship level he's at. Um, so <laughs> this upcoming weekend, I don't see you listed 
for a PDGA event. Uh, you, do you have other things going on? Or you do, did you have a break scheduled? Um, you're, you said you're back home. Uh, what's going on? Yeah, so uh, one of my best friends um, for like past 15 years is, is getting married. Um, so I'm in his wedding. I'm a groomsman. Um, and it's this weekend. So he actually planned it. Uh, for a break in the tour, <laughs> so it was it was nice um, for him to do that, and so I get to be there and celebrate with him, um, be with him on that day. Awesome! Uh, That's yeah, a best true, friend yeah, right there. I was there. just going to say, making <laughs> sure that uh, you know the the, uh, the non big tournaments are 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 taking place, and then right after that, I see you registered for the Brent Hambrick. Uh, which you know is a long time event that's truly been around forever, probably thirty or or maybe even almost forty years, but at least thirty some years. Um, uh, that one, and then we have you going over to the the D Glow. Brent Hambrick worked out because it's kind of in that Ohio 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 area on the way up to D Glow, and uh, was the biggest event that you could find. Is that was that the game plan there? And have you or have you played yep. it before? I've never played it before, but it was on the way. You know, I have a week uh, in between, so yeah, I just wanted to play that one. So awesome! Yeah, it's got a lot of history. Of course, a lot of good players we're seeing. Uh, yourself, Joel Freeman, uh, Bradley Williams, Corey Ellis, Andrew Presnell. You know, so a bunch of people that you would kind of expect uh, to see. You know, for those that aren't overseas, at least. Um, did, how, I mean, this probably sounds silly, but how did you feel about that trophy? Is that pretty cool, the giant propeller? I liked it quite a bit. Yes, it was very <laughs> cool. Um, you know, I, I didn't see it before the, the round started, so I didn't know what it looked like. Um, and so when he came up with it, I was like, holy cow, this is, this is sick. <laughs> and it, Now, that's one that stays there, though, right? Or do you do you take that and bring it back, or that's the kind of the one they, they keep there? I think that's the one they keep, yeah. Yeah, okay. they, have, there was a small glass one okay. that I believe is a travel, or not, yeah, that'd be the traveling trophy as opposed to the stationary trophy. However, that works, yep. but yeah, pretty, yep. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, looking at the, the schedule, like I said, you got the Brent Hambrick, um, and then everything else is pretty much, uh, lined up from there. Where, playing again this year, where was, Name a place that you were like most comfortable, as in like, oh, I've been here before, or I know these courses. You know, where where are you finding comfort on the tour? Yeah, honestly, the first time this year was probably Idlewild. Um, okay. So I played it once uh, two years ago, but every other course that I've played before then, um, I hadn't played at all. So it was all new territory there. Um, okay. So Idlewild was at least somewhat familiar. Um, even though I'd only played it once before. So. We've seen so many different winners, and we talked. I know we talked about that a little bit, but why? Why are there so many different competitors there that are, and it's impossible to repeat almost? What can you pinpoint that to exactly, if anything? Yeah, I mean, I think just the, you know, I'm, I think I mentioned this at one of the interviews, but... Uh, just the, the amount of variables on the course. Um, the fairways are so tight. There's a million trees. Uh, you throw a shot six inches off one way, you're getting a double bogey instead of a par or birdie. Um, so as long as you're hitting your lines that day, if you're playing smart, um, you can win that tournament. You know, and I think that's why we've seen a bunch of different names uh, pop up on the, you know, on the leaderboard. Um. 
Are you well? I guess that maybe answers the next question, which is: Are you surprised to see anyone finish where they do? But I mean, yeah, that that tournament kind of provides those results. You know, winning there means—I don't want to say it means nothing, but it means nothing to you the next year, right? <laughs> There's no advantage. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I think that's why we haven't seen a, a repeat winner. You know, uh, just because of the amount of things that can go wrong and do go wrong at that course. I think it was that way for. Uh, MVP now, but Maple Hill back in the day where there was a long time we didn't see a repeat winner and then mm-hmm. Kale was like the only one and now I think we have uh, I think we've had two or three repeat winners at this point over the last three years I believe so people have gone ahead and repeated but very similar you know you get a lot of places to get into trouble um, a lot of danger a lot of danger like running putts on 17 you never know what's going to happen <laughs> um, you know obviously we talked about your schedule and where we're going to see you on the most elite series do you, according to the schedule, it doesn't seem like you're the type that necessarily is trying to fill every weekend. And and maybe what I mean by that is after USDGC and into November and January, will we see you at, you know, the Chainhawk Open? Will we see you at, like, other A-tiers and other big B-tiers? Or are you in the mentality of, like, no, I'm, I'm ready to then have an off-season? I think I'm looking forward to the off-season. Uh, just to have a break, um, play some local tournaments in Georgia. I mean, there's a there's a tournament here pretty much every weekend, um, so I'll hang out, see some old friends, uh, just practice during that time. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, and and excuse me, uh, where how are you? Where are you relative to? Where's Lawrenceville? I was gonna say, where's that relative to like the um, IDGC or yeah, something? IDGC in that general area. How far? Where are you? Yeah, so we're about two hours from the IDGC. Okay. Um, we're about an hour, um, I think, east of Atlanta. Uh, oh, or okay. About 45 minutes east of Atlanta. Okay. Okay. That makes yep. sense. Um, it, any other crazier, weird obligations, I mean, uh, that, that you've got to fulfill over these next couple of weeks? I mean, not that I know of, unless somebody springs them on me, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just... Just relaxing the next this next week, and then heading out to Ohio and then Deglo. So <laughs> unless okay. somebody knows something, I don't. <laughs> no, I I just I think of you know again you. you we could see things such as, you know, uh, Prodigy sending you a, a stack of discs like, hey, here's 500 discs you have to sign now because we're going to give them away to certain team members or or whatnot. And I mean, there's all sorts of different, I don't say strange, but yeah. uh, unique obligations that can occur when you have a, a win like this, especially when it's your first win. I mean, your first mm-hmm. major DGPT Elite Series win. So. Yeah, I yeah. think about in-store signings. I think about an extra clinic you didn't necessarily know you you know you might be lining up or you know those types of things. Uh, so uh, maybe one of the as we wrap up one of the side notes. Uh, anything crazy planned for the weekend wedding? Uh, are are you you? Has the bachelor party happened already? Yeah, all that kind of is stuff. All, like, was yeah. there one? I mean, what's what? What do you? What is How your? How wild are, are things getting? <laughs> Yeah, so uh, as far as I know, we are playing disc golf in the morning, uh, okay. the morning of the wedding. So, uh, you know, we've got to take a shower and get ready for the wedding before, you know, before it happens. Um, but Friday night, um, we're going to go to an escape room, okay. um, which I've never been to. So I'm excited about that. I've always wanted to do one. 
I hope you get out in time for the wedding. <laughs> yeah, yeah hopefully you, know. <laughs> if you If you miss it, like, where is he? I don't know. Didn't get out of the escape room. He's in room seven. Yeah, so that's, yeah somewhere. That's some good motivation to get out. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, just that, just hanging out with friends, you know, um, yeah. playing disc golf, the escape room. That's, that's, that should be it, I think. I mean, that, that sounds like a good time. Uh, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to talk about before we let you go? I think you did a good job. I think we covered pretty much everything. Uh, all right. Well, we of course, we want to thank you for joining us and congratulations. But uh, as always, we invite you to uh, let the world know not only how they can support you, uh, but any sponsors, any shout outs that you've got. Uh, please uh, utilize all this time to uh, to recognize anyone in that you'd like. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, obviously, Prodigy Discs, like, huge thank you to them. Uh, wouldn't be out here without them. Um, like I said you know, a couple minutes ago, they released uh, some commemorative discs for my first win um, on the Elite Series. Um, it's a 750M1 and a 300 Soft PA3. So those are the discs that I use. Um, came in very handy this weekend. <laughs> um, so, yeah, check those out. Um, that's one way you can support me. Um, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, I'm on there. I'd love to connect with you there. Um, shout out to um, Disc God. It's a local uh, disc golf company that supports me as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's about it. Uh, where can they find you on on the various socials? What are some of your handles or logins and screen names and stuff? Yeah, so on Facebook, you know, just Isaac Robinson. Uh, okay. We have uh, Disc Family Robinson, which is kind of a joint account for me and Ezra. Um, so if you're interested in what he's doing as well, that's a great way to connect with us. Um, Instagram, you know, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, I don't know what my username is. Uh, it's probably, I think it's Isaac, WRDG Robinson, something like that. Um, but, yeah, so Facebook Facebook and Instagram are the main the main ways. Yeah, I, we've got I, I, Isaac WRDG underscore nineteen. Yes, so there you it's go. just that easy. One. Not not underscore twenty. That's nope, a different guy. Nope, that's yeah, that's the wrong guy. Before I let you go, um, real quick, there was some talk about it on the broadcast. I have to ask: Are you and your brother the best brothers out there right now? Do you feel like you could take any other set of brothers? The Sextons, the Ulibaris, the Macbeths. Like, do you, do you feel like you two have it wrapped up right now? I think. Of course, it depends on it depends on the course, um, but I think me and Ezra could make a very strong case for being the best brother duo in the world. All right. um, there's nobody I think when we play together. There's just a, there's just a connection, and and we just we just play well. So yeah. I think we do. Okay. I throw the ear hearts, in, air hearts, air hearts yeah. sorry, air hearts into that as they're both pretty good and and both can fly under the radar, but they're certainly good. I, I would say the only other competition that Probably the ones that would take you down would have to be the Mundahanos. They, they'd probably be the <laughs> – if I picked a team. They're scary. Safe. They're good. They they're are scary. definitely good. All right. Well, Isaac, we, we it was so exciting watching you perform the way you did, uh, watching – Precision. That's yeah, what I can say. Just dicing it up throughout the entire weekend. But even most – I think most impressively to me was the fact that you were moving into the final holes with a lead. You – like you said, you – separated 
you and Gannon at one point had separated from the field, a field that's usually so tight. We, we even ran the numbers about how competitive this event is. And you said, Hey, I'm not worried about all that. And you, you kind of left everyone behind in the dust and you closed out strong, like a champion. You didn't falter at, at any point. And it was, it was truly an honor to watch uh, such an incredible performance. So congratulations again. And uh, thanks for, uh, letting us get to know you a little bit better and letting the whole uh, world of uh, Smashies get to know you a little bit better tonight as well. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. I, I appreciate you having me on. Definitely. Thank All you right, very man. much. Have Isaac. a good night. Have a great weekend. Don't find any trouble out there and uh, we'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> good luck in the escape room. Right, good. <laughs> yeah, Bye. See ya. All right. Isaac Robinson. Like champion. we said, go out to the prodigy website, go take a look at those PA threes and the M ones. Uh, go buy one honestly yep get you some support our young players all right congrats well johnny why don't you uh rip through the top 10 or so uh on the mpo side i can this weekend i can do that terry all right so obviously as he said chris dickerson following him up uh by what ended up being uh four strokes Mm -hmm. because you know, because Isaac, Isaac just decided on he went on, on whole whole seventeen. He just he kind of put his knee on his throat, uh, and whole eighteen. He just really just, popped, he twisted. just twisted a little bit. <laughs> He's like, here, let me put on a uh, yeah, I don't know, some so, spikes on this and twist it. Uh, and and honestly, those two had cleared the field by quite a bit. Kyle yeah. Klein was next behind Dickerson. He was six strokes behind Dickerson, ten mm. full strokes behind Isaac. Uh, congratulations to Kyle Klein for your third place finish. Um, his, he was the defending champion. He came out and definitely showed that he is a force to be reckoned with at Idlewild and anywhere in general, but he had a slow start to the beginning of the season finishing. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, usually top 15 ish, but not really up in those podium positions. And for the last couple of weeks, he's been playing very well. Uh, Gannon Burr in tied for fourth place with Chris Clemens. Gannon, as we say, rough third round. Rough final round. Only shot uh, the best weather shot his worst round. He shot a one under par, not able to get it done. He kind of had, I don't want to say a meltdown, but just probably a lapse in concentration at some point and just couldn't get things going. Took a seven on hole on hole seven. seven. Yeah, that was really the... and, and at that point, I mean, he had just had a bunch of pars. It, it was a little tough for him. But even if he shoots the you know nine strokes better, he's finishing second behind Isaac. Uh, sixth place. As you mentioned, shooting a 13 under course record, Paul Macbeth, that guy, you know, he was in what it said here. Uh, he moved up 27 places. Yeah. So he was in like 33rd place, decided just to come out, shoot the course record and bump himself all the way up to sixth place. Tied with Alden Harris and Matty O. Ninth place was Austin Hannum and Jeremy Coling, as well as Adam Hammes and James Conrad. So congratulations to your top I guess technically that'd be 12, but your top 10 finishers in the MPO. Uh, We're going to move over to FPO now. Katrina Allen, after having, again, a slow middle of the season, started out really well at the beginning of the season, kind of cooled off a bit, was a little spotty here and there, but ultimately, you know, she ends up winning by two strokes in this particular uh, event over Missy Gannon and Own Scoggins. And Own, honestly, she looked like she kind of, she was in control for a while. And then the back nine just just got her. And it, 
nothing you can do about it. Obviously, Idlewild will show its teeth, apparently, at times. Um, but Own ends up still a respectable tide for second. Yeah. Uh, and in fourth place, Mondahano. Not that one. The other one. <laughs> uh, Alexis Mondahano, the name that we haven't been talking about recently as much as Valerie. She was up there this weekend tied for fourth as well. So Alexis Mondahano, congratulations. It tied with Ella Hansen. Ella as well was doing very, very well until the final round. And then, you know, again, that I think part of that is just her still her being relatively new on the tour. Probably not quite as consistent as she would obviously love to be because she had a, a pretty rough four over on that final round. Shooting really, really well still. Madison Walker tied for six with Macy Valadiez. In eighth place was Jessica Weiss. Ninth place, Juliana Corver. And in 10th, tied for, oh, we have a whole bunch tied for 10th place here. Hold on. I have to scroll down. Uh, Katie Alsalu, Ellen Wid to the Boom, and Paige Pierce. Your returning champion, I believe, was Paige Pierce taking 10th place. Yeah, and a so, lot of color on Paige's scorecard. It was a rainbow of fruit flavors. Wow. And ultimately only finished with three pars in that final round. She parred five eight and 18 and had everything in between had everything ranging from a two to multiple sevens. She had to use all of her fingers. Holy cow. Yeah. Pretty, pretty crazy out there. Um, and as Isaac was saying, that's what idle wild can do. Yeah. Idle, you're off by a little bit. You can become off by a lot. <laughs> it's just the way that course treats you. Yeah. Well, congratulations. To Isaac, of course, and congratulations to Katrina Allen. Um, just incredible performances, and and I know we you just kind of ran through them, but I'm you know jumping off the page at least during that final round. You know, I know I just talked about Paige Pierce, but also looking at you know how Missy Gannon made a very significant charge uh, to move up six spots and certainly became in contention you know, more than once, keeping our eyes on her that, uh, throughout as well. And Missy's three down might be the FPO course record. Mm. And I hate talking about course records in general because these courses change every season. Every they, year, sure. It's like a basket raised here, a slightly change here, things like that. It's really hard to um, to, to judge. I'd, I'd rather see almost course ratings records, but even that. Yeah, they, they all, even that we all they know. All yeah, you play, you play, you know, that course in the rain versus you play in the sunshine, 100%. And, and all of those types of things. Uh, I I got sidetracked. I know, shocker. Uh, somebody, Tim, out there who's out there spotting. I got to see our good pal Tim Courts for the awesome. weekend. Awesome. Said he Thank saved you. Kyle a stroke on hole thirteen. Congratulations, Kyle. Or, uh, congratulations, <laughs> Tim. Not Kyle. Yeah. Congratulations, uh, Tim. I was going to look at hole sixteen because you were just talking about. Uh, I, I'll say the overall ease or. I, I hate to say the simplicity, but when we look at uh, averaging the holes out, hole 16 played as the single easiest hole, at least during the third round. It probably did in rounds one and two. I was going to say it, that that feels like it should be a par four. And that's exactly part of the yeah part of the discussion is should that be a par four? Um, you know, we saw 13% of the field had eagles. 57% of the field had birdies. Just twenty five percent of the field had pars, and then three percent uh, were were above par. Well, hole eight looks like it's a very similar distribution. Yeah, and and we all know how daunting hole eight can be. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that. 
in the first year was it deemed a par four or if that was that if that was the argument for it i'm not really sure but then look at how easy hole one plays also i mean everybody birdies hole one it feels like it's just uh, I, well, I mean it sorry 60 percent of the field yeah which is the lar- it's the most birdied hole on the course which is funny because I think it was our lead card on that final round. Yeah, that's like, there was only one birdie. <laughs> there was one birdie on uh, Isaac got it. Dickerson did not. Okay, Kyle and Chris did. Yeah, so three out of four. Okay, three out you of four. You might be thinking of day two. Maybe I was thinking day two. Yeah, where, where... it was not impressive. No. Like, what? And, <laughs> and, and and there's a little bit of danger on that. With It is kind of on a mounded uh, green, and we've we've seen quite sure. a few rollaways and some misses, But and it's an elevated basket. I, I can understand... Uh, if you, if someone were to call that a par three, but it's a ve- it, it would be a very difficult par three because almost no, yeah almost don't. nobody can get there on the drive. You don't yeah. you have to throw. I, I one don't consider. I would but be. It's a tweener. Par I would wave. It's like three point three or something. I would wave vote for hole sixteen becoming a four for MPO yes. before I would vote for one to become a three because I then it would almost yeah it almost never be birdied. Yeah, if if yeah. one was and, a par three, and that's fine. It's just obviously, as we know for the most part, it's just a number. People just use it for stats. Not a big deal. Uh, that's, that's matters to me, man. Well, then you need to uh, probably join the PDGA board of directors oh, and make that happen. What a great segue! Because I tonight, and I meant to do it on the way to Idlewild or on the way back from Idlewild. However, I didn't. So on the way back from Peoria today, I had almost four hours. And I downloaded, I believe, I did not get through all of them because I didn't think of it until later, but I did listen at an increased speed to, I'm going to say most, I I guess I'd have to go back and double check how many it was. So who are you voting for? But (laughs) I listened to at least most, I, I will absolutely listen to the rest of them before I make any final voting decisions. Um, I definitely, I know of a person or two I'm not voting for. <laughs> Who are you not voting for, Terry? <laughs> um, and, um, and and that's that's not really in a disrespectful way. I just know that I was either not impressed and or, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's, that would be the best way to word it. Just underqualified or, um, or it's, not. Not a, I don't want to say not, doesn't not align. I mean, because let's be honest, every single, and they don't all, but every single candidate can always say, and I experienced this last year because I interviewed them all, well, the youth is the future of our sport. And that is, that's nothing new. That's, I'm not ripping on anyone that said that because, of course, it's true. It's, um, and I'm not even talking about any of the candidates that did or didn't say that here, but that's just always a statement. And it's, it, I, it really made me think about it today. Like, is, is, is that what matters most is getting it into schools? Is that always what matters? I mean, I've been saying that for 20 years. Is that the most important thing? It's, it just feels like the, it's it, an easy it answer, seems obvious and easy. And, and it's, but is it, is it the most obvious way that we, I, I mean, if you want casual people to play, yes, that seems, that seems like the way to go, but I, I, and, and here's, here's but, my but it's also one of the most difficult things to do. So ultimately, sure. the board of directors can say all they want. Yeah, we, let's get this in the hands of kids. But actually doing that will take 
years. Well, yeah. It always and and, 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 it's and it has been, been going on. Yeah, it has years. been going on for years. So I, I don't know. That that's a whole thing. Either way, as we said, go download, listen, vote. Um, reach out if you have questions. Reach out to the the candidates. Ask them personally. Most of these men and women will probably uh, respond to you in some manner. Yes, and, and that and that could say a lot too. I was going to say it. Almost, it's almost unfortunate that a lot of people are probably going to dictate their <laughs> their responses based on these interviews uh, on their votes. There, I think there could be very good people that don't necessarily interview well. Oh, of course. And, and so, if you come off, and I don't know because I have honestly haven't listened to any of them. If you come off stuttery or nervous or not sounding confident or maybe just not having sure. great answers on hand. That might not necessarily reflect on how you would be in a different oh, board situation, which yeah. is unfortunate, but, yeah, but that's, also but that's why a politics. Can, that's all <laughs> politics in any voting yeah. procedure, but also why I would encourage you then to read their statements. You know, so a lot of them did this interview, uh, mm. which by default, or not by default, but um, uh, Intentionally, the questions were nearly identical for every single person. On purpose. and they were probably provided them before the interview, even maybe, maybe not. But that would be it, my guess. Um, it's exactly what I conducted last year, but in a much shorter version. And I had helped out with the PDGA and conducting and going through all the interview, uh, all the candidates, and then essentially asking them the same question. Grant did a great job. Everyone that I had listened to. Uh, so, yeah, naturally, I would encourage you to also read any statements that they've made, any other videos that they've made, uh, you know, consume them in multiple media if they've provided it. Yeah, of course. And and Phil, I'll give him a shout out. He's out on the board uh, under Phil Mills, CPA. I'm pretty sure Phil is in Humble fact brag. running. <laughs> uh, He's got the CPA letters back there. <laughs> He's in fact running. And I, I'll be honest with you, Phil, I don't think I heard yours yet. So... <laughs> I don't think I heard any jingle jingle. No, uh, I'm kidding. Wait, but, tell, uh, I don't. I will I feel don't bad if a super chat suddenly pops up. <laughs> I would just make sure you. Yeah, make no. sure it's addressed to me, Phil. Um, and I think it is Phil who has uh, also said, "Hey, if you're taking guests, and this year we we didn't make a concerted effort. In the past, we have, like I said, and then last year uh, the PDGA worked with me, where I then." I went through every single and had a conversation with every single candidate and kind of helped out the PDG in that sense. And this year we haven't. Um, it's so it's kind of goofy because now that we have 13 people running, I feel like you need to either have them all or none. And maybe that's a stupid way to say it, but I, I, because I don't, I don't want for us, us to yeah, show would. like a favoritism. Yeah. Um, so that's why I, I continue to push people to the PDJs cause it's been done in that sense. But, um, as Phil says, get out and vote everyone, let your voices be heard. And I totally agree with that. Uh, whoever it might be for Michael on the board though, says sounds like Terry wants to remove Madison Walker. Was it because she took him down by two strokes in a casual round at Idlewild? I didn't play her. She might've beat me in a casual <laughs> round, but no, I did not play against her. Um, but if she did play faster, I wouldn't be mad. Madison's a little particular. She, she, she's not the fastest player on tour. 
I wouldn't be mad. Nobody would Madison. be mad. Nobody would be mad. All right, a couple other things we're going to talk about real quick. Um, six days ago, it was announced that PDGA is seeking hosts for 2024 PDGA majors. So if you're interested or you have a club or a good area, please, by all means, um, take a look at the bidding process and see if you guys qualify for that. Um, going on right now, as you said, just south of us, are the Junior and Masters Worlds. Um, I want to give a quick shout out to our good friend Steve Held, who's playing down there. Um, if you call it that, oh, um, they played, ah, he played Northwood Black today. Did you happen? I, I did. I, as I told our other good friend who's with him, as I was pulling Johnny in Rumble. the driveway, Matt Parker, oh, Matt Parker. the stat, I said, I, I said, I put in, I, I messaged him. I said, you could have shot an 1140 rated round, 1140. And I wouldn't know because I didn't look at a single yeah. score until a few moments ago. So, uh, although I was in Peoria doing other work and driving back from there today, I looked at zero scores. I, I had the pleasure of seeing, seeing Steve Rico and transporting him to a course oh, and nice. then having a five minute catch up session and then off he went. But I have seen zero scores. Yeah, Ace Run Production is out there covering the FP40 division, so please uh, go support them when those uh, videos drop. And I guarantee you, like I said, our friend Steve Held will not be on any of those videos after his Northwood uh, Black round, where I think he shot 16 over, 14, 14 over. 14 over. Um, I jokingly said, oh, yeah, uh, starting out with like three bogeys is not the way to start. And But whatever. And then I looked again probably 10 or 12 holes later, and I was like, hey, dude, have you ever heard of a birdie? <laughs> and he jokingly said, I just missed a 16-footer for Bird on hole 17 or something. So I think he went birdie-free this morning. Um, so I'm thinking about you. Steve, I'm thinking about you. Northwood Black is a tough course. We're thinking about you getting birdie, too. Yeah, I would love to see your first birdie at, uh, at, <laughs> at Masters Worlds. Uh, so anyway, so that's going on down there along with Junior Worlds. Look for coverage. Terry, do you have... I, I've got a few updates. First of all, let me quickly read through. Alan Wagner and Martin Hendel had the hot rounds at... The Northwood Black course today, they've shot one under, which was rated 1036. Uh, as I checked uh, a couple of camera guys into their hotel, I saw uh, Sandy Hendel for two seconds. And there was like a, <laughs> there's a weirdness in the hallway. There was like a darkness in the hallway and she said my name. And because of the way like the not so bright lights were, I couldn't tell who it was. I saw Sandy Hendel for a second and her brother is out here uh, killing it. And I think she didn't say she didn't play as well, but... Um, best of luck to all of them. And then leading, and I drove past Mr. Johnny McRae, uh, coming into town. Johnny McRae is leading over Barry Schultz by a stick. Uh, Mike Mosier and Patrick Brown right there in the thick of things. I, I want everyone to remember that Johnny McRae, who is recovering from a heart attack. Yeah. Is Winning, winning the division over Barry Schultz, who, you yeah. know, is no schlub by any means <laughs> in any aspect of our sport. Still, what, a 10-20 rated player? Not higher than that. 10, oh, 10 18 10 Okay, I thought he was around 10-20 or 10-22. But no, he 10, went down today, bro. He didn't duh, no, I didn't see his post. No. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Johnny McRae, still, yeah. you know. Still, yeah. ten forty two golf is what he shot today. That ain't bad for a guy uh, with half a heart or also, something. Also, <laughs> not too bad, not too shabby. You've seen a lot of these names before uh, playing open. Own Scoggins, she shot a thousand one rated opening round today. Uh, congratulations to Own. She's leading by one over Holly Finley. Holly Finley's got two strokes over Sarah Holcomb and three over Juliana Corver. Uh, cat Cabadova, uh, one of my favorites, who is out and playing again. Good. What to kind see of her. cat are you? Ha, a Badova. 
<laughs> uh, she got it together today. Shot nine fifty five rated golf, and then Jennifer Allen, who's another certainly going to be you know another uh, conversation piece as one of your top contenders. But Owen Scoggins in the lead early as they head over. She to has Naughton. to be the favorite. I, I know there's some great women out there, but yeah, the way she's I mean, been playing in uh, FPO, taking top fives, then to go to FP forty. You have to look at her as I mean, the favorite out here. You would, and then right there, barely off the tee pad, a step away, you would say you're Sarah Hokum, you'd say Jen mm. Allen, and you'd say no. Holly Finlay. I, I mean, I'd say they're two steps behind. Okay, well, just I'm, I'm sorry, Own Scoggins is taking podiums at FP40. None of those other women are practically right now. So, like it or not, the, the, those are all great women, and, I, and any given day, any of them can win FP40. But Own Scoggins has two steps on them right now, the way she's playing. So, uh, you know, take take that for what it is. What else we got over there, Ter? <laughs> Des Redding is one stroke in front of Nova. So uh, they got a great battle in FP50 has started off. Uh, Fed- Frederick Granison in FP55, or I'm sorry, MP55. A um, couple ahead of our, our buddy, uh, Jerdog. So a uh, good start out there today for him. Johnny Rumble, I saw his name here. Got to get the shout out. Um, where did you? I, there he is, Johnny Rumble. Uh, shot nine sixty rated golf today. Starting starting off a little behind the pack. Rumble, get it together. That means uh, where's Matt the Stat Parker? Matt Parker, who I was just talking about, did not shoot eleven forty rated golf. Uh, he shot. 931 rated golf today Ouch. so go get it Matt. it's about my rating Ooh, awkward sorry anyway uh sandy gast is currently in the lead i want to read through all these real quick uh sandy's out in the lead. T- tim keith is leading over mitch mack in a tight battle there in mp60 uh pam renicky uh currently has the lead over an fp60 uh jay gobreg is leading over jay gary <laughs> drop chow drop chow um, in 65, Johnny Sias, Randy Beers uh, have a battle going on. Johnny Sias is how is it ahead. that the people who were dominant when we were younger are now <laughs> instead? <laughs> well, how come they're all playing MP70? What does that say about they're, us? They're all MP60. still dominant, <laughs> and they're uh, still winning. <laughs> uh, Rick Hahn is leading, as is Pete May, uh, and then we get into all the AM side. So, best of luck to everybody. The juniors. This is of note. The juniors start tomorrow. And I love what they did in that, and this really does make perfect sense. The age-protected divisions, I believe, are exclusively playing one round per day, playing five uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then a a semifinals on Saturday. And there's going to be a final nine. So there's like roughly five and a half rounds. Hallelujah, Um, final nine. Juniors divisions are are often playing two rounds per day. Not all days, not every day, but they're playing, which makes sense. They're like 18 and 15 and young and vibrant and mm-hmm. playing slightly shorter courses. Because you know what? They're going to be playing before the round. They're going to play the <laughs> yeah. round. They're going to play between the round. Then they're, they're going to play, play their afterwards. second round. And then they're going to go back to the hotel and throw discs all over the hotel and, the, yeah, and behind the hotel. Might as well do it at baskets because those darn kids don't quit. Yeah, that's all part of that youthful energy. So uh, the juniors kick off tomorrow. Again, here, here's my public announcement oh, about this. 
Mark my words that next year I will either, I guess there's, there's A, B, and C here. I will either be playing, I will be working, or C is I will be playing and working, but I will be at the world championships for the Masters divisions. Far too many incredible people, too many amazing stories, peers, people we've played with, friends of ours, either playing or working or playing and working, but I will be in Flagstaff. I don't care... I don't care how it's going to happen. I have to be there next year. I almost cried today. I did not want to leave Peoria. I was only there for a night to deliver some boxes that had nothing to do with the event. It was just the timing, and I didn't want to leave today. And I'm excited about the Norway event at 6.30 tomorrow morning, but I really, really, I need to be part of Pro Masters Worlds. And, I'm uh, with you. I would like to do that. So next year, just mark my words. I I need to be there. That happens to be. Happens to be also the the first time I accepted. Uh, I took cash out of Pro Worlds was 2003, in Flagstaff. So maybe I dust off the old frisbees, or maybe I just grab a camera and a microphone. But either way, I know which I one you'd be more successful in at. Flagstaff. <laughs> I know which one you'd be more successful <laughs> hey, at. Last time I played in Flagstaff. I know you cashed at Worlds, bro. I beat Worlds. Johnny McRae. Right. Or maybe not, but it was close. <laughs> I beat Jay Redding, <laughs> who's gone on to become a legend. Oh, Terry, you're a legend in your own mind. Don't That's worry. true. <laughs> so uh, best of luck to everybody this week. Can't say it enough. I wish I was there. Um, there has been a thought of maybe doing some kind of remote check-in live nightly show on some night. It's not happening every night. I promise you that, but uh, maybe something will happen. So stay tuned to my channel uh, over on the disc golf guy. Maybe we have some kind of check-in. So uh, some, I I don't want to say it can only be construed as bad news. Uh, Kristen Tatar made a Instagram post. I believe is what it was. Maybe it's Facebook, but I believe it's Instagram. Um, Basically saying that, She's going to see some specialists. She has three different appointments about her uh, her arm slash elbow that she was very sad. She had to pull out of the toonie. Mm-hmm. And it just based on the feeling I get from this, I have a hard time believing she's going to play in the European Open. She's not playing in Sula. Mm-hmm. And I just... It'll be unfortunate because obviously going overseas, you know, we always talk about how the, the, the European women coming over here. Now, finally, when we all get to go over there to have one of them not be able to compete really is a kick to the stomach. Um, I, I can only hope that somehow she finds some sort of help or she gets some diagnosis that says, yeah, you're, you might not be up to a hundred percent, but you're not going to hurt it anymore. I don't know, but it just doesn't feel, I don't feel confident in her playing the European Open. I'll just say that. No, unfortunately, yeah. And that that is out on Instagram uh, where she makes a lengthy post and she kind of breaks it down as uh, Johnny just paraphrased. But Kristen.Tatar is her Instagram if you want to go out and I mean, take a look at it. Maybe best case, I don't cross our fingers, this is something like what Simon dealt with and maybe she just needs to take some time. Uh, it, it's tough because as we say, these players are playing Eight, nine, ten thousand foot courses mm-hmm. on the regular, which is, I mean, 
I said it for USW DGC. I liked the six to 7,000 foot course once in a while. Have a few of those thrown in where it's okay if you only play three to four rounds on those. No, I was going to say no one will complain, but someone will always complain. Um, I, I think that's okay. So ultimately, let's just hope for the best for Kristen Tatar, and maybe we'll get very lucky and she'll play in the European Open, uh, or, or maybe she'll just take a rest and come back for her regularly scheduled world's visit. Either way, don't know. And that's kind of all I got there. Well, um, big hugs and support and love over to Kristen and, and uh, silver and her daughter and just everyone involved. Cause obviously it, uh, it's really, and, and it's a huge loss for the disc golf community to not have our top rated player there and competing. So, yeah, hope everything. Hope she gets some answers, and then of course we hope that from there, um, she can find some kind of solutions uh, that can be Im- implemented moving forward. Uh, as uh, I'm going to quickly pull up, and t- just as a quick reminder for everyone, tomorrow, if you're listening to this live on Tuesday night, uh, tomorrow morning, uh, we just mentioned it, but seven thirty. Central time is when the broadcast will start. I believe that's like two, yeah, roughly two thirty uh, local time in Norway. And yeah, I'm looking at it and saying nine hours from now, which just sounds crazy. Thinking about what the next few hours are going to look like, but anyway, uh, we're going to have some feature cards. I believe there's two or three feature cards to kind of close out the round or, or close out the MPO side. So there'll be two or three of those feature cards. We'll continue to watch other cards and so on and so forth naturally. But then also we're going to have the FPO who are going to be teeing right after the MPO. So think back to basically two years ago. This, this is a combined broadcast as we call yeah. it, where the the women will play after the men. And, and to be fair, no offense to any of these women, none of them are, are household names. Over here in uh, the United not, States. Yeah, you, not United States household names, so correct. So we, we don't have any of the top FPO players playing in this event. So I, I believe, I don't know how much focus there will, and again, I haven't looked at the, the info dump um, from Mo yet. I don't know how much focus will be had on the FPO during the round. I know we've done that before checked in, or if this will be a primarily after the round, we'll begin to check in with them. Uh, but either way, uh, I think there's what eleven women playing. Yeah, there's just eleven women in the field. We had one U.S. competitor. Maybe it was Leah Sinaginny. Happy belated birthday, Leah. It might have been her, or it was someone else. I don't recall who was. Uh, but they, I don't see them anymore. I do not. I no longer see um, her any U.S. competitors. So. Unless I don't have my flags right. No, nope, no, nope, I don't see any U.S. competitors there. <laughs> yeah, we haven't so, changed But there are flag. 11 women uh, that will be teeing off, like we said, after the men. We'll, you know, give you most of the men's broadcasts, and then we'll continue to check in and give updates as to the FPO broadcast. So it's going to be myself. Uh, we got a brand new group in the booth. Uh, if you don't like it, well, you're, you're stuck with it for four days. But we do have a brand new group that has not all concurrently worked together in this way. Myself, Zoe Andike, and Brian Earhart. And uh, very much looking forward to it. We could we should have invited Zoe here tonight. We had Kelvin last week. That's but, true. But we should have. Unfortunately, there was a lot of other stuff going on. Zoe's probably smart and already sleeping. Oh, God. She, I'm sure she is. <laughs> She's, yeah, coming here would not have been a, a, a Smart move on her part. Yeah. 
It never is really, for, anybody. for anybody. You, <laughs> me, about anybody. Yeah, not necessarily a good idea. All right. Do you want to? Should we close out things and then get to it after show? We should. All right. We are going to do just that. As we said, we're going to close out the regular show and the after show. We'll uh, catch up with you a little bit more on the chats and talk about anything that may or may not be disco related. We'll also have our weekly giveaway for our Patreon supporters. We appreciate all of you guys. So if you want to jump on, uh, you can do that. Patreon.com slash Smashbox TV. All right, guys. So we need to, again, congratulate and thank Isaac Robinson. Thank him for joining us tonight. It was great to have him for the first time. Uh, I have a feeling it won't be the last time. And also congratulations to our FPO champion in Katrina Allen. Uh, Hard-fought battle. And, um, yeah, good to see you're back on top as well for johnny v and myself terry miller the disc golf guy this has been episode 411 we're gonna stand down for just a few moments then we'll come back in the after show we'll see you then when you step inside the smash box thank you to our two dollar and above patrons your name is listed below in the credits if you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts please visit patreon.com slash smashbox tv Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 